Hey everyone, we're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal Stories of Soccer Legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday two new episodes will take a look into so- some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Holland, Messi, Rapino, and many more, each episode will focus in on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello folks, Colin Kelly here from Rotoviz Overtime, a podcast I host along with Sean Siegel. And in just a little moment, we'll jump straight into the podcast. Before we do so, I want to let you know as a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% of a Rotoviz NFL pass right now on the rotoviz.com website. It gives you access to all of our content and tools and sets you up perfect for the NFL season. All you have to do is add the code 2020RVRADIO at checkout or by going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. And of course, while you're listening to the podcast on the network, helps us out a lot if you can rate and review on your favorite podcast app. I really do appreciate that. As I mentioned at the start, Road of His Overtime with Sean Siegel twice a week. If you haven't already checked it out, be sure to do so after this show. But let's get straight into it. Enjoy the podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome into another edition of Bogey Free. I'm your host, Matt Jones. You could find me on Twitter at Matt Jones TFR. And we are going to uh, go through the lineup from last week and then talk a little bit about uh, one of the game theory pieces that just came out uh, over the past couple of weeks um, to uh, talk about how golfers do after a win, which uh, will be pretty uh pretty interesting considering the setup that we have this week but we'll uh we'll get to that in a little bit um so real quick the uh the cash locks were Joel Dahman and Colin Morikawa <sighs> Morikawa won uh on the what third playoff hole right and i mean Joel Dahman could not could not possibly have done uh done any worse than he actually did he finished in 150th place um just just brutal uh absolutely brutal here i'll i'll share the screen here for those of you watching um it was disgusting his uh his stat line here so he had he ended up scoring seven and a half points which like for I don't know for for as long as I can remember. I, I, like I don't know if I've ever seen a score like that. Um, so seven and a half points with thirty percent ownership in the in the listener league. Um, definitely, definitely hurts. Uh, went seventy nine eighty one. Just uh, just a real real brutal showing um, from him. Only had three birdies. The uh, the whole the whole thirty six holes. Just real. Just real, real bad. Um, Morikawa, on the other hand, ended up winning, obviously, uh, in in pretty dramatic fashion, right? With the with the playoffs, uh, the three playoff holes, um, scored really, really well. Ended up with 135 DraftKings points, 
um, kind of kind of saved my week overall uh, between, you know, obviously I play an outright on the on the cash locks each week just because that would be uh, that would be incredible FOMO um, that I just I wouldn't be able to deal with if I if I missed out on on that when they when they actually come through. So um, I had him in uh, in about 40 percent of my lineups, too, which. I, I still took a loss in the in the mini max, but at least it was at least it was something we, we got. We got a few dollars back uh, this week. Outside of that, the rest of the lineup, um, this was a four of six that I played in the listener league. Unfortunately, uh, went back to Munoz and got burned once again. Just just really, really can't figure that guy out. Um you know he he opens with a 79 and and shoots a shoots a you know a respectable 66 but just it was it was way too little way too late uh finished quite a i think three strokes out of the cut line he was t90 just not not what we not what we wanted um the the rest of the lineup though was uh was pretty good as far as like a core goes like if if i would have if I would have just played these four in uh, in all of my lineups and and just mixed and matched some of the some of the cheap guys, I might have had myself a week here. But um, unfortunately, that's not how it's not how it shook out uh, for me. So um, we'll we'll go from from top to bottom. John Rom was ten thousand nine hundred. He was only eight percent owned in the listener league. Um, we, you know, we know from the game theory work that uh, I've been posting on over at Rotoviz, we know that uh, that we want to get the the cheap or the the lower owned guys in this range, um, and did that. Uh, he with a with a decent Saturday, this probably would have been even better. Um, but he flashed some of the scoring upside that he has on Sunday shooting a 64 and uh, getting into a tie for 27th place. So not, uh, not the best possible outcome that we, that we should could have expected from him, but um, you know, serviceable 86, 86 DraftKings points from, from anybody will certainly help the lineup um, going down a little bit. Sung Jaeim, uh God, I, the guy I think just needs a week off. Maybe, um, yeah, there, there's not much else to say. I mean, he, he just seems like he cannot put, uh, four rounds together right now for whatever reason he's, he's making cuts for the most part since the restart, but the, uh, he, he just gets, he had a couple of double bogeys, um, a triple bogey as well. And, uh, and that, you know, that's obviously gonna, gonna take you out of it. Um, only ended up with 66 and a half DraftKings points. Um, I felt I felt okay from a game theory perspective playing him. He was owned, but we've seen in that range that that's you know that's kind of that can be fine um, in most situations. So uh, we'll see what happens. Eam, um, I, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to keep going back to him or not, but uh, we'll we'll see as the week progresses. Like he's always, he's just always going to pop in the power ranking model because he, he has these, um, 
this sort of long track record now of being able to to score at a lot of different courses um, to compete in stronger fields. Right. He he does all the things that we that we would like to see from a young golfer, but um, just not just doesn't seem to exactly have it right now. So um, it is what it is. We'll we'll see what happens with him. Um, the the final guy rounding out the lineup uh, was Henrik Norlander. I I'm pretty sure I tweeted about it. Um, either way, it was it was in the article uh, for this range. But um, he he was shaping up as the week was going on to be one of the most expensive uh, golfer or most highly owned golfers in uh, in the six K range. We've seen through the past few years that um, typically those guys are are good bets. So there's not really um, I didn't I didn't really have a lot of issue playing him, even if his ownership crept up to like eight to ten percent. Um, you're you're rarely going to see golfers get much higher than that um, in the you know sixty five hundred dollar ish tier you're you know they just they're just never going to be that owned um but when they when they are they're they're fine to play the other guys that i played in general in uh in the mini max which i think if i would have just locked lock norlander in uh i i would have <laughs> i would have been much better served because uh some of the other you know, the other cheap options that I ended up going with just uh, just were pretty awful, whether it was um, I had a good clip of Neesmith. I had a bunch of Munoz, which obviously I played both of them in this lineup, but in a lot of lineups, they were uh, one of them was flying solo. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. I think Bud Cauley was around here. Um, he was 7,100, but still. Um he made up a pretty significant chunk of my exposure as well. Um, and then like Nick Taylor, like there were, there were just a few guys who um, either started off strong and faded or like Munoz just, you know, decided that they, uh, they weren't gonna, they weren't really particularly interested in playing the weekend. So um yeah, not not my not my best finish. It was a it was I think seventeenth in the listener league. Yeah, seventeenth in the listener league. Um, shout out to let's see the I should have had that up the winner, um, Dylan's ninety eight GT. Uh, he had uh, an excellent six of six. He rolled with Norlander, um, ate the chalk with. Cantlay uh, played Hovland. Then he rounded out his lineup with Hadwin, Streelman, and Wierenski. So um, a little, a little starsy, scrubsy. <laughs> um, if you want to, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Um, but yeah, so it was, uh, it was a, that was a really strong lineup. Everybody, uh, three guys in the top seven, and then everybody else inside the top thirty-five. Um, 521 points, pretty strong, uh, pretty strong this week. So, uh, good on you. Congrats. Um, just, you know, taking, taking more of my, more, more of my hard earned bogey free bucks. Um, 
but yeah, so that was, uh, that was the listener league. Um, we, you know, hashtag made it bigger this week because, uh, it's been, it's been filling in about, I don't know, like 12 hours maybe lately. So, uh, I bumped it up to 75 this week. So if you are, if you're listening to this, uh, whether you're live in the stream here or whether you are listening to it on Rotoviz Radio, make sure you hop in. There's already um, 40. I posted this a couple hours ago and there's already 40 people in. So uh, a little bit over halfway full. Um, so like I said, make sure you make sure you get in. Uh, before I jump into the uh, the game theory discussion, uh, I want you guys to make sure that you are uh, supporting our sponsor, Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's UFC fight. Check out odds on NASCAR, PGA, Formula One, or the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and league championships. Or you could even check out the daily sims that they are running on Madden and NBA 2K. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right. So like I like I mentioned, um, Colin Morikawa is coming off of a win. <coughs> Excuse me. Colin Morikawa is coming off of a win. We have uh, we have a piece up right now. Let me get this up in the stream. Sorry, this is uh, this is the first time I'm doing this, and I figured it would be it would be cool to share. Um, and I'm having technical difficulties. Of course, there we go. <clears throat> So if you are if you're following along uh, on the stream right now, you can uh, you can take a peek at the at the article as I go through it. But basically, um, I think that we have a lot of conversations centered around whether or not to play um, a, a guy coming off a win. And I think that that's probably I think it's probably a, a much more complex question than than people want to believe and obviously this week we're playing uh we're running it back at Muirfield Village so that means that we're uh we're really dealing with a situation that we've never dealt with before now I uh I tweeted this article out and got a little flack because of that but I I I don't know that the like the fact that they're playing the course again is like that important or that relevant. Like it's, there's a couple of ways that you could look at it, right? Like they're going to set up the course different, differently. Obviously they saved um, some of like the traditional pin placements um, for the Memorial. Uh, Some of the holes played a little bit longer than they're going to. Uh, So all of that, um, makes me feel like just from a, from a course setup standpoint, you know, they're not, they're not playing the same, 
exact course in the same exact way. And, you know, everybody's in the field is the same. Like there's, there's so many moving parts here that it's kind of silly to, um, to really worry about that too much. I think that most of the, most of the factors that we have to worry about or think about when we're deciding whether or not to roster a golfer coming off of a win is, uh, those, those decisions that we're making are still in play here. So let's, uh, let's just go through the article and we'll decide if we want to, uh, go back to Morikawa or not. So basically to start off, um, I took a look at who wins tournaments, right? Like where, where are winning golfers going to typically come from? Um, the results aren't, aren't terribly surprising, but I do think that it's a little bit um, like this six and a half to 7.4 K range really sort of surprised me that um, there seems to be like in this mid tier in this chunk between six and 6.5 to 8.4 K. It seems like there's um, there are more winners than I sort of anticipated. Like if you asked me before I looked at this, <coughs> I think I would probably lean towards saying that, um, you know, golfers that are above 9.5 K are going to be, you know, make up 55 to 60% of tournament winners. And that, that isn't quite how it shakes out. Um, we can pretty safely, we can pretty safely, uh, say that most winners are not coming from, under six, uh, 6,500 that's only happened, uh, about 3% of the time in, uh, in the sample. So, um, nothing, nothing too earth shattering there. Now, the next thing that I wanted to look at was what happens to a winner's price in their next start, because we, we've seen that the ownership or I'm sorry, that the, that price jumps matter, right? Like in each of the in each of the uh, game theory pieces that we've gone through, we we sort of up our chances at hitting a ceiling outcome when a guy goes from a lower price to a higher price. So it would stand to reason that uh, a guy who just won a tournament will most of the time see a price increase, and that holds true um, throughout however you want to look at it. Basically, there's like an average of about six hundred um, to seven hundred dollar increase for uh, you know the the next event, <clears throat> the next event after a guy has won. So again, intuitively that makes sense. Nothing, uh, nothing terribly groundbreaking here. There, guys who just won are gonna see a price drop. Uh, the thing that I thought was kind of interesting was that, that the guys coming off of a win actually do see, um, either (laughs) we have, uh, we have Peter Overzad in the chat right now asking if, uh, asking my thoughts on just playing the best place. Um, yeah, ideally playing the best plays, uh, that nobody else is playing would be, um, would be game theory optimal, uh, so if we can if we can figure that part out, I think that we're uh, we're all going to be in for in for a pretty good week. Um, so 
uh, like I said, the, the really interesting thing with the winner's ownership is that it actually it actually drops a little bit. So is that does that mean that people are overthinking it and they, you know, winners end up performing well? Um, we'll see. So the the general uh, the general gist here is that it's a pretty mixed bag, right? About uh, about a third of the golfers who just won go on to miss the cut in their next um, in their next start. The average salary of that group, though, is about eighty eight hundred dollars. So you're you're likely talking about um, golfers who won from like the seventy four to seventy eight hundred range. Right. They jump up in salary. Uh, they're they're hungover. <laughs> they're celebrating. It's their first win. Um, and you can see, you could definitely see all of the reasons, um, why those golfers might, might sort of fizzle out on the other side of the coin though, uh, golfers coming off a win have finished in the top 10, about 26% of the time that group has an average salary of about $10,000 though. So we're looking at guys who are already established and, um, likely have multiple winners, uh, you know, multiple wins under their belt and are going to, uh, you know, not really be as phased by that win um, for the most part. Overall, in that sample, too, 40% of the winners uh, basically finish in the top 20 or better. So you can see, um, I don't think that this is, I don't think this is anything like totally groundbreaking. It's just there's, the, the golfers who are going to be highly priced that are going to jump up in price in their following start, which typically would mean that they're going to be in maybe a slightly weaker field. Um, those guys are going to be golfers that you should feel comfortable, um, comfortable playing. Now, as far as this other, this other part, um, golfers that saw a price decrease after their win, right? only finish inside the top 10 in their following event about 20% of the time. They also saw a bump in their ownership. So they were more highly owned and they were less successful. Um, so that's that's obviously the situation we're trying to avoid. Now, as far as this week goes, <clears throat> Colin Morikawa was $9,200 um, this past week as a winner. He's jumped up in price to uh, $10,000. I am extremely, extremely curious to see how ownership shakes out um, this week just because we have uh, some guy named Tiger back in the field. He's $9,000. We have, I mean, just the, the top range, right? We have Bryson, JT, Rory, DJ, Morikawa coming off a win, Cantlay, um, Webb, Victor Hovland, Hideki, Rom, Shoffley, Brooks, Rose, Fowler, Berger, who's won in the past few weeks, Woodland, who was close last week. Um, you know, you you have to go, you have to scroll pretty far um, before you find a guy that you can really make uh, a strong case against. So, um I think that this is something uh, that will be a little bit ownership dependent, but the fact that he still saw a price increase 
the fact that he has made 24 starts and has two wins already under his belt. Um, I think that Colin Morikawa is in a really good position <clears throat> to, uh, you know, not necessarily to repeat, but if his ownership goes down a little bit, I don't see, I don't see a situation where I wouldn't be still willing to roster him. So hopefully that, hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. Um, we will, uh, we'll try to do this stream <clears throat> tomorrow with Evan. Um, if, you know, if it works, hopefully this, uh, this recording also comes out good because I don't know what the quality is like on this program, <clears throat> but we'll see. So, uh, thank you for, uh, hopping in the stream. If, uh, if you did so, if not, um, I'm going to try to do this every Monday at around seven 30, uh, get on and do the solo pod here. And then tomorrow we, we will do that. Uh, we'll do it around the same time and, uh, and have Evan on to talk about the slate. So, uh, we will talk soon. Good luck. See you. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.